everyone and thank you for downloading. This is Football a la Turca episode 4 and we're coming back to you with the match day 25 discussion and results for the Turkish Super League. Nothing else to talk about in terms of European uh, results or Turkish Cup results. So let me get straight to it. Burak Sezgin is not here with us today. Uzer Dinger does join us but to replace Burak we have another Fenerly voice. We have Patrick Cox from London, England. Patrick, thank you for joining us and bailing us out so short notice. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, before we start talking about the football matches, Patrick, can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself? Uh, obviously, people can hear your name, Patrick Cox. That doesn't sound very Turkish. What's your Not until now. Uh, relationship to Turkey, uh, to Fenerbahce? Sure. So um, I'll try and keep it brief because I know we don't have too long. Um, so after a, a gap year, I spent six weeks going from Istanbul over to Cairo. I went to the School of Oriental and African Studies uh, to study Middle Eastern Studies. Um, fortunately, got persuaded by my Turkish professor to switch to Turkish, which meant a year abroad in Istanbul um, in 2010-11. Fortunately, and to the uh, annoyance of Ozer, got uh, friendly with a <laughs> Fenerbahce fan in my first year who set me on the true course of being a Fenerli. When I got out to Istanbul, I was at uh, Boazic University, and I guess they had an equivalent of a freshers' fair in their sort of main campus. I was wandering around thinking, you know, this would be a good place to meet people. Obviously, there's like music society, history society, you know, rock climbing society, caving, whatever. And then I happened to come across like the UNIFEB, which is a university which is for non-Turkish speakers, like student Fenerbahce supporters society, basically. Um, so we, we don't really have that kind of thing in, in the UK. And I'm not sure of, about in Europe, but uh, it was completely new to me. So joined up, suddenly became this kind of, cult figure among the people because I was this one foreign guy out of thousands and thousands of Turks from across the nation really um, moved back to Istanbul after I graduated 2013 went to as many games as I could really and yeah the rest is history as they say and and of course you and, and Ozer go way back um, yes so I can imagine how that infuriated him that you as a friend of his uh, decided to support the arch nemesis <laughs> All I can say is it's a good thing my microphone's been on mute for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's going to give us a, a different look, uh, even you know, from, from, from Burak's perspective for sure. Um, as, as a relatively new Fenerbahce fan, you've unfortunately gone through many lows and not that many highs yet. So um, Yes. But this, this season, definitely the peak of those lows, I imagine, unless maybe the... For sure the tumultuous uh, 2011-12 period, perhaps. Um, but let's dig into the Super League results. Sivaspor against Malatya Sport. This match ended 2-0. Goals here came from Fatih Aksoy in the 35th minute and Douglas in the 45th minute. And uh, both those goals were assisted by Uze Rurmaje, former Fenerbahce player, of course. So I'm yep. going to throw to you first, Pat. What did you think of this match? I thought it was a, uh, a good match, good performance by Sivaspor. Um, it's quite interesting to see how Malatya Sport have sort of dropped really in, um, over the past couple of weeks, to be honest. 
they didn't really show too much metal to me to that uh, put them sort of, you know, right at the top a couple of months ago, really. And it's good. Yeah, I, I kind of lost track of uh, Azad having actually met him randomly uh, when I was on my Erasmus year. But I think, yeah, Sivaspor deserved winners for this match. Actually, I know his cousin. Um, he works uh, on the, the, the FIFA database, too. He's a big Trabzon, oh, really? big Trabzon sport supporter. Yeah, I can imagine, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to throw to you now, uh, is there? <laughs> or is there? I thought... I thought you guys were talking about me then. Just yeah. yeah, I was confused. We met much longer. Much, uh, longer for a moment, that. I was a little bit yeah. confused. Uh, <laughs> but what, what what did you think about this match, Azar? Yeah, I think uh, Sivas deserved the three points in that game. And I, I also can't really understand how Malatya have fallen from grace so much. Although it could be that they're saving themselves for the Turkish Cup, perhaps. But uh, Fatih Aksoy played a very important role in both goals for Sivas. And I think he's he's an interesting player to watch. Diabate had a chance to make it 3-0 and he missed in the second half. All in all, it was, it was, it was a good game, I think. Yeah, for sure. Malatya Sport having a drop and, and that's something that they have in common with quite a few teams that were looking really bright in the first half of the season but really have dr had a drop-off in the second half of the season. Alexic still, though, does manage to stand out week in, week out for me. Uh, continues to be one of those uh, players that... Uh, gives the, the Super League a little bit extra flair. Reminds me a little bit of of, of Gabriel Torje. I, I don't really have anything much more to add to this. This was, a, I think, a necessary victory for Sivasport because they, they had been slipping as well. Malatya Spor, of course, not really in the danger zone or anything yet, but with all those teams in the relegation zone picking up so many points, you never know. It can ha creep up to you quickly. Just look at Gustepe. Um, but let's move over to Saturday results. The first match we're going to talk about here is Trabzonspor against Akisar. Akisar, of course, still bottom of the table uh, with 21 points. Got a win last week, their first win in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Jeremy Bokila here opening up the scoreline in the 65th minute, but uh, Anthony Nwakaeme again scored a brace last week, of course, and again getting on the score sheet here in the 70th minute. Pulls things left and uh, just a couple minutes later, five minutes or so later, Trabzonspor are awarded a penalty. There's a VAR check, but it uh, does get awarded still. Um, the VAR check was more on whether or not it was a dive or not, not on uh, whether to give a penalty. So it was more to make sure if it was a penalty or not. And I, I, I personally, I'm, I'm still, I, I don't know either way. I, I, I haven't been able to see it in, in enough angles to say that definitively penalty or no. But Jose Sosa steps up, uh, converts and puts the final scoreline on the on the scoreboard. 2-1 to one to Trabzonspor. And that's again Akisar losing a match in which they take the lead in the 65th minute. Uh, two weeks ago, I seem to recall, they did the exact same thing and then still lost. Uh, and again today here, Trabzonspor with that win, um, putting themselves firmly in contention for that European ticket. Well, they're on 40 points now. Uh, let's throw to you first, Azar, your opinions on this match. Yeah, I mean, Akistar took the lead from a Trabzonspor corner, funnily enough. It was a classic counter-attack, four versus two, if I remember correctly. Um, but as you say, they, they just couldn't hold on to it and once again threw away the lead. Um, Trabzonspor probably unbalanced, deserved to win the game, although the penalty decision was very dubious, in my opinion. I think... It was a it was a dive and the VAR got that wrong. So that's another one I can add to my list. No, it's not because the VAR called to the referee to double check because the, the referee awarded it. So in essentially, the VAR is saying 
I uh, think you have to look at this again. Probably, so in, in, in the VAR's opinion, it was not a penalty, but the referee stuck to his guns and, and kept with the decision. So you cannot add that to your list. I'll get there, I'll get there. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this, by the way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is something we had to cut out yet last week because of time restraints, but basically, Uzzeran and myself got into this huge argument about VAR, and, and he's totally con uh, like against it. I'm, I'm pro-VAR, of course, so uh, we, we decided we're going to do a special VAR-centric episode, maybe at the end of, nice. of the season or something. <laughs> that or sounds good, yeah, yeah. An international break, and then we can discuss the, the, the merits and... Uh, and such of of, of, the, of the video assistant. The great, the great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Pat, throwing to you, first and foremost, before you give the opinion on the overall match, did you think it was a penalty or not? I think it was a very soft call, to be honest. Uh -huh. uh, it could have gone either way. I mean, football is football, and regardless of whether there's VAR or not, it's just one of those things where in the moment, you just have to, you have to make a decision, really, and mm -hmm. whether it's because the match was going on traps on and... Uh, you know, quite a lively atmosphere or whatever, but ultimately it was a penalty and, uh, you know, they were able to capitalise on that. Yeah. What about your opinion on the match in general? Deserved win for Trabzonspor, penalty or no penalty still in, in terms of the, the balance of the match? Sure. I think, I mean, watching the game, I was surprised, I guess, that, uh, you know, Akis are where they are, to be honest, because... They perform rather well, I thought, but ultimately, you know, you've got a traps on sport that are doing very well. They're sort of not sort of right in the race, but still kind of on the outskirts to some extent. You've got a great set of players there, you know. I think if, even if they hadn't got that penalty, they probably would have uh, ground out to win ultimately uh, because they had a strong performance for me. Yeah, and I agree. And I think they look very good for that European spot at the end of the yeah. season. Yeah, especially if we get down later to some of the other results this weekend. But uh, yeah, I do agree with what you're saying about Akisar. Uh, I think I've said it in the past couple of episodes too that, you know, usually every season we do have like at least one ugly duckling that just stands out where you're um, seeing, wow, these guys are definitely going down. They're not up to the, the standards of the league. I fail to have that feeling with, with any of the teams, really, in, in the bottom mm -hmm. three right now. Like, Gustepe, for me, does not play like a team that deserves to go down, uh, despite the fact that, yeah, maybe they're not getting the job done. Same thing here for Akisar, really. I mean, look, these guys won the Turkish Cup, the Super Cup. They didn't get a lot of points in Europe, just one point, but they did play almost, in, I think, every single match of them, they were competitive, at least to a certain extent, so... I don't know, they don't seem to strike me as a team that, that deserves to go down. Usually there is this team that's just way behind the rest of the pack and like 10, 12, 13, 14 points behind at this stage of the season already. And There just isn't that 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 team right now. And I, I have a big problem with three teams dropping down directly. I think it has huge financial repercussions on those teams in terms of TV money and all that kind of stuff. It's very important. It could be potentially devastating to those types of clubs. Um, I think the the format of the of the league needs to be shuffled. There needs to be a change. Maybe have one team drop down directly, and the other two teams of the bottom three perhaps have them play playoffs with uh, the number three, four, five, six, whatever from the second division. Like, oh, you already have playoffs right now uh, from the second division. 
for uh, the numbers 2 to 6, I believe. Why don't you just add two more teams to that and uh, add those two teams from the Super League to that? I mean, I think having three clubs go down straight away, that's just something you don't see very often anymore. You don't see it in many other leagues either. Uh, most leagues do have a sort of a playoff system in place already because of the financial repercussions from, from going down. It's just so big on those clubs and it could be for a club like Gostepe who's finally finding their footing again financially. Uh, that's 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 potentially damaging. Um, but of course, we're talking about Akisar here and not Gostepe. Uh, as for Trabzonspor, I agree with you guys as well on that part. I mean, I think they're looking good for Europe, um, especially if, if Bishtes were to get a European ban or something uh, and, and also just purely based on, on the table. And also the up the possibility of Galatasaray winning the cup still so I think they are looking quite good right now for getting at least a European ticket and that's that will be the first time in in uh, a year four or five years maybe that the Trabzon are representing uh, Turkey in Europe so um, I look forward to seeing them back in the European competition and hopefully getting to the group stages because they do tend to go out in the qualifiers a little bit too uh, frequently to my liking Anything else to add, gentlemen? Yeah, I think last time, if I remember correctly, Trabzonspor were in Europe is when they were knocked out by Juventus in the Europa League. So they had a pretty good run under Mustafa Rashid Akchai, but mm, yeah, yeah, you're it'd right. be good to see them back. Yeah, they had a good run in in Europe, but then their league run suffered. I think that's right. Um, let's move over to Ankara Gaju Bursa Spor, of course. This match's proceeds went to the victims of last week's uh, unfortunate bus crash in which two young Ankaragaju fans perished. Um, that's a great uh, token of respect from, from the club to the families of the victims, of course. Uh, unfortunately, as far as the match is concerned, it was pretty much a bore fest, in my opinion. Not much happening here. Uh, we had a couple of moments from Orgil, uh, an attempt from distance from Boyd, an attempt from distance from Aitachkara. Uh, but really, two teams that are very much in the thick of things in terms of the relegation zone, especially Bursaspor, they didn't look like that was the case today uh, in this match, I would say. It didn't feel like either of them were particularly interested in getting that win at any cost. Um, perhaps... A predictable scoreline, Pat. What do you think? Yeah, neither club particularly showed too much spirit to to win that in the end. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, condolences to the families of those who lost because it's it's a tragic thing when these things happen. And you know, especially I guess when it comes to to Dos Takamlash that you have with uh, Anchor and Brewster Sport. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, the, the football didn't really um, live up to any sort of particular affair. Yeah, but betting man should have backed the draw in this one. Yeah. Yeah, no coincidence that both matches this season between the two of them ended on a draw. Um, mm. Feels a little bit... I don't know. I don't see the point in... Go on, say it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. No, I'm going to go there. Uh <laughs> Uh, in, in Dutch, it's called competitievervalsing. <laughs> I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna call it like that. Um, so, what's your Google Translate? Op- your your opinion? Uh, yeah, not really much to add to this game. Uh, the two flash players for the last couple of weeks, Orgil and Tyler Boyd, had a few flashes of of, of of brilliance in the game, but didn't really come to anything. And 
hopefully they they can they can both improve in the next games going forward. But it does look very difficult for Borussia, I have to say. Yeah, but this just seemed like a little bit of a handshake agreement. Like, hey, yeah, you both have, let's both just take a point and yeah, move exactly. forward. Um, let's move on to the main event of the evening on Saturday. Bashakshi here, the yes. league leaders, took on Fenerbahce, and this match ended two to one to leaders Bashakshi here, who got a relatively late winner. Robinho had opened the scoreline in the 19th minute, but Roberto Soldado had pulled things level in the 73rd minute. Napoleone got the winner though in the 83rd minute after a shot slash pass from uh, Marcio Mossoro. Um, there were quite a few penalty shouts here, two penalty shouts at least for a handball from Bashakshi here player. So a penalty shout for Fenerbahce that was both, both of those were before the equalizer. Um, and yeah, also a couple of pretty, na- pretty, uh, Physical challenges, I should say. Pat, I'm going to throw to you first since you're our resident Fenerbahce analyst today. Ultimately, we lost the game and uh, lots of talking points of how we lost that. And uh, I mean, I could talk for a long time about Volkan and goal. The performance itself was actually rather good, I'd say, especially in the second half. I mean, we showed a, a lot of fight. I think the the Fenerbahce soul that's been kind of missing for the majority of the season um, and even some halves of certain games was definitely um, visible in the second half. And to be honest, you know, we did come very close to to actually getting a winner. Um, Zaj, or however you pronounce that name, looks like a a fantastic signing. I mean, although his finishing could have been um, a little bit better, he was getting into all kinds of great positions um, across the pitch. Had a couple of chances as well to to get ahead of goals as well. And yeah, I think ultimately, you know, we were unlucky that uh, we weren't able to get the ball on target. With a couple of headers that I, I did actually one moment where I did actually fall off my chair thinking we'd scored, only to realise that the ball had just glanced wide. I don't know. Obviously, we could have won it, and I think the disappointment is more the fact that we could have won it. It wasn't like you know, like that derby the other day, for example, when, especially when you go 2 nil down, it's like, well, it's Besiktas, it's away, you know, they've got fans in the stadium who are kind of chanting for them to win. When it's, when it's a game, it's against a team like Bashakshi here who don't have certain things going for them, but in uh, other places they do in terms of players. I think Fenerbahce can be proud and I think bar the, um, obviously, Super Derby coming up uh, next month, you know, I think if we can show the the fight that we did in the second half, you know, we we should do um, quite well in the, the sort of final what, third of the season. And it's, you know, having a look at the looking at the table as uh, knowing how close it is, it should be um, at least a bit of confidence to to give both to the fans and to the players to say, look, we we can actually do this. It's just it's just getting that final kind of killer touch to to finish things off. Yeah, and uh, Uzi, of course, you were watching this match with both fingers crossed. Uh, and yeah. one, when Fenerbahce pulled things level, it's like Pat said, there were some opportunities there, and especially Miha Zajic had a big one. Um, and I, I felt that you could again feel the vulnerability that Bashakshir do have, the same you could have seen when they drew against Erzurum. As soon as Erzurum pulled things level there, 
they started doubt crept in a little bit and and the opponent got got opportunities to perhaps take it away take it home uh, again here you could see it i think and and pat points out a few couple interesting points of course where the, the lack of, of home support i mean the sound that you heard when they scored the winner i mean i'd say the, what's the opposite of deafening yeah <laughs> Um, but but Ozer, your your thoughts on the match? Uh, how disappointed are you that uh, that they didn't drop any points? To, on, on oh, well, I remember seeing a banner many years ago at a, held at a Fenerbahce stadium. It was it read, "Bir gün herkes Fenerbahçeli olacak," which translates as "One day everybody <laughs> will be a Fenerbahce supporter." And on Saturday, that day was my day. I supported Fener. I celebrated their goal, and for once, I was actually sad when they lost the match. So mm-hmm. it was a very strange day for me, but I think, like Pat, Pat was saying, there was there was a glimmer of of hope uh, after Soldado got the goal, got the equaliser, um, but that second wave just never really came back for Fener, and I think we should maybe focus on the elephant in the room. I don't know; it might be a bit of a sensitive topic for you, Pat, but Volkan Demirel. Yeah, I think he's been costing Fenerbahce games, points, trophies, even since. Yeah. 2008, maybe? Maybe longer? Well, I think, um, having watched the, the Galatasaray highlights as well, I mean, it's a tale of two goalies, really. I think, just imagine how different uh, Turkish football of the last, or at least five years, would have been like if we'd had a Muslera and you'd had a Volkan. I mean, it would have yeah. been completely different. Completely different. Very true, very true. Even today, you know, you had an absolute blinder of a game. And... Yeah. Absolutely. This is, you know... Sorry, go on. I was going to say Fenerbahce signed uh, Harun from Bursaspor, who is a great, great goalkeeper. And Berke Özer, who's 18 from Altonordo, who is, again, like one of the hottest prospects in that position in in Turkish football. Mm. I don't remember him making a single appearance in the Super League. So he's effectively been wasted. At least this year has been wasted. All for Volkan Demirel, this this 37-year-old mascot for the club who doesn't seem to be actually doing anything productive for the team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you did get two new tra- uh, goalkeepers in the transfer window and the previous coaches both had put Volkan next to the team. Harun was playing. Um Harun still played in the European matches, put in decent performances against Zenit. And it's kind of puzzling that that Yanal insists to pl- on playing Volkan. Uh, obviously, that that harkens back to their uh, rapport they built up in in Nianos previous stint. I'm sure. I mean, it's favoritism, really. It's 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 not really nepotism, but in a way, uh, I guess you could frame it like that. And it's similar <laughs> something that one one of my biggest uh, sources of frustration with Shinol Gunesh and Besiktas is is similar there, where you have players that are potentially. Not the best option. I'm not going to say harming the team necessarily, but not definitely not the best option. But just because of the the, the, the manager's bias towards that player in favor of him, he, he's playing. I mean, I don't see the point in, in playing a 35, 36-year-old Volkan Demirel over Harun Tekin. He's actually 37, uh, Volkan. Is he? 37 years old. Yeah, extraordinary. Are you sure? He's still playing. Yeah, because I checked this before before we got okay. recording because 36. I thought he was about 35, 36 as well. I was absolutely horrified to find out he was 37 mm. and still playing at the top level. 
Holy crap, you're right. <laughs> I thought it was 35 too. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I mean, how old is Harun? He's 29 years old, so why are you playing a 37-year-old player in a season where... I don't. I, I mean, this is not a season where you can afford to give him his, you know, walk into the distance or whoa, cowboy exactly. style, whatever it is. I mean, this is not the time. You're, you're still fighting relegation. You're not out of the woods yet. I mean, the teams around you are winning too. Um, and it's still very much a possibility. I mean, look, if Gustepe suddenly starts winning some games, then you're in trouble. I mean, had Gustepe... And spoiler alert, but Gustepe didn't win on the weekend against Kazembashi. But had they won, then both Bursa Spor and Fenerbahce would have been back in the thick of things, uh, mm. level on 28 points in 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 uh, a shared 16 position. So I don't think you have the luxury of of playing favorites here. You just have to make sure the best person plays. And I mean, I don't know about the second goal. For me, a one-on-one situation is always kind of 50-50. Um, and 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 Masoro. Uh, the, you know, the, the ball kind of agonizingly rolled towards Napoleone, but I don't think you can really fault Volkan there. But the first goal, that's on Volkan, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so it's really tough to defend him there. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's it's more than enough said. I think we're both a little bit uh, seeing similar things. I hope Jana will not insist on... well. Maybe I do hope he will, but <laughs> let's hope yeah. that no. But really, you know, let's hope for Fenerbahce and Fenerbahce's fans' sake. They've gone through plenty this season. Um, that Janal will not will not insist on extending Volkan's contract. Maybe give him a role uh, as a, as a as an assistant coach or something like that, a goalkeeper coach. Yeah. Whatever. But I think next season you need to move forward with with uh, either Harun or or, or Berke. Yeah. But moving forward to Sunday, let's uh, get into the results on Sunday. Alanya Spor against Erzurum Spor. Again, still Alanya Spor not fully out of the woods because of the teams around them winning as well. But they got another win here. This was a very interesting match. Ended 2-1 in favor of Alanya Spor. Papi Sisse getting the scoring started in the ninth minute, but that one got disallowed for offside. In the 45th minute, he got on the score sheet again. Wellington then doubled the scoreline in the 59th minute, but that was after Papi Sisi had missed a penalty in the 50th minute. And Wellington's 59th minute goal was also a penalty. Then Jill Sunu from Erzurum Spor pulled uh, one back for uh, the visitors, also from the penalty spot. And then in at a time... Another penalty was called. This was also for Alanya Spor. Papi Sisse insisted on taking it, missed again, and uh, he's got two penalty misses in one match. Fortunately for him, it does not cost his team any points. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. A couple of weeks ago, they won 2-0 away at Trabzonspor with mm-hmm. that all kind of starting with the, the, the domino effect after Rodaiga messed up his Penenka penalty and then they ended up winning that match thanks to Papi Cisse but Cisse here almost uh, his pride maybe getting in, in the way a little bit probably should have let Wellington take that second one but uh, Cisse on 12 goals now in the top score standing and uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the the VAR decision on the offside and and the penalties I don't think there's really all that much to talk about but Uzer what do you think on these calls were they correct uh, or? I think the off side was correct mm-hmm. uh, but the penalty shot I don't know if there was much of a chance for the, the defender to move his arm out of the way it, it looked like it had come literally from a point-blank range just the, just below his 
just below where he was standing. So I don't think he was really given much of an opportunity there. So I think that was very harsh. Mm. And uh, I think, yeah, you could easily have seen that the referee wave play on had it not gone to VAR. We've seen some uh, what uh, similar handballs for Bershakshir the, the day before, uh, where especially the second one, which we actually didn't really get to, but that was pretty... That arm was out a little bit and definitely yeah. hit it, but uh, probably not intentional and, and maybe similar thing here. Uh, but four penalties in one match, that's the first time that happens yeah. this season. I, I don't I didn't find a statistic on when this, the last time that happened. Quite insane. I, I have that for you. I have that for you. Apparently, it's the first time in 25 years, the last time being <laughs> 94, when Galatasaray beat Samson 6-1. Oh, okay. Wow. And did and, Arif... Uh, did Arif get all those penalties? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't put it past them, mate. Didn't found it difficult to score otherwise. <laughs> um, of course, he scored a, a beauty against Man United in '93, but but that's for a different show. Um, another interesting point about Cisse, actually, he's missed every single penalty this season, four out of four. <laughs> well, I think he should probably stop taking them. Um, yeah. But he definitely has been uh, of, of great value to Alanya Spor, and especially their resurgence under Sergej Yalcin, uh, scoring 12 goals. Uh, one of the top scorers in the league right now, uh, Hugo Rodallega, did not score this weekend, so I think he's left on 12, and, and so is Cisse now. So uh, they're both trailing closely to uh, top scorer and by Diagne. Uh, Pat, what's your opinion on the match, the penalties uh, for our decision on the, on the offside? I think I'd have to agree with Uzair. Not just to talk about this match, but just to talk about sort of these calls, maybe even VR in general. I think, for me anyway, what I find frust- most frustrating is just the lack of consistency. And my expectations from VIR when it first sort of came out was that there would at least be more of this consistency in terms of, you know, if in one match from point blank range, uh, some, a defender's hand is out and it gets hit by the ball, it will be a penalty. And then if in the, at the next match the same thing happens, it will be a penalty because there's uh, continuity kind of on the fence with VR in terms of it has its advantages when you do need to make this calls that are, whether it's, you know, a potential foul or something the ref hasn't seen. But if you're going to call it one way, you have to just make sure you do it the same, make the same call every single time, or at least have a kind of fixed rule book or guideline of what you're going to do. Because otherwise, you know, this isn't the 90s where you miss it once and that's it. Mm-hmm. This, you know, th- things on fall on Twitter with, so I've used a very Turkish word there, things come onto Twitter second, you know, minutes after the incident happened and you can just see if a call was right and immediately decisions can be made. And, you know, the, the Federation have to realise that there's a backlash in terms of what happens and if one referee in one match says one thing but in the next match he says something completely different, it's like, you know, it only fans the flames of certain clubs feeling certain things against certain referees. But I think the problem here is uh, I don't think either of these, uh, any of these penalties were awarded by VAR, or at least not the one that you're, you guys are talking about. It wasn't awarded by VAR, right? I mean, uh, obviously, it doesn't VAR doesn't award penalties, but um, I don't think the referee consulted there. And the thing with VAR is um, they are only really allowed to intervene on a clear error. Now, 
that's again something that's left open to interpretation i think the thing with handballs unless it's very clear clearly uh intentional or or not so uh, i th- i think they're not really allowed to to intervene and it's up to the interpretation of the referee um which makes it difficult because then you of course have consistency issues but you you have the, you var or no var you have those i mean look how much in the past i think we are we were forgetting perhaps how much debating we had in previous seasons just about oh well, that should have been a penalty that should have been a red card isn't that it still happens with far but less so i think now we're sometimes we're debating of our decision but i think if you put it relative to each other I think we were there was a lot more controversy in, in the years prior than there is now. Obviously now when you when you have a VAR decision that's that's deemed wrong, even when sometimes it's not, like for example, um we we talked about uh, that uh the defend the defender deliberately heading a ball or, or intercepting a ball and it's going to a player in an offside position, how that, that play is allowed to continue, which is completely counterintuitive but that's the rules yeah. um i think that the the, the, the thing is we're, there's less controversy but when far is in in, in a mis- making a mistake which i don't really think nothing like that happened here um but then it's 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 extra painful because you do expect from from var to be perfect almost you expect them to have the right decision because they do have time to look at it from many different angles and they don't have to make a decision in a split second like the referee does so i think the the tolerance for a mistake from var is is a lot lower than it is for well maybe <laughs> it should be at least um than it is for the, the, the mistake of a referee of course in turkey if a referee makes a mistake he's demonized straight away so that doesn't really matter but i think it's uh, even more uh, painful if if a mistake happens that that is initiated by var but of course var does not have the the last call they can only call a referee to take a look um unless of course it's on, on something that's offside that's a clear offside like we had today with with the galatasaray match with with Diagne's second goal it got disallowed it's it's something the referee doesn't have to come and check that's something they can clearly uh determine with the technology and then they can just oh it was offside and then the goal is disallowed but in some cases uh, like mainly penalties and red cards and stuff like that they're going to always have to call the referee to come and check and he has the final say var does not decide so it's always a referee that decides ultimately so it's when you were talking about consistency uh, I think it's important that VAR intervenes on similar positions. Like there have been penalty positions, I think, where not so much handballs because handballs are always difficult because that is interpretation. Uh, like I said, so then you're. It's not always easy for VAR to interfere, whether it's a clear error or not. But on different sorts of falls, I think um, there should be more consistency. Like for example, I, I keep bringing back to this example, but it's one of the most blatant ones in my opinion throughout the season was the penalty kick that Konyaspor earned against Galatasaray in the final few minutes in, in their 1-1 draw. That to me, that there's no intervention from VAR there, is, um, that's unacceptable. And the same thing happened between the Basakshir Fenerbahce match, where Basakshir got that goal and it, and it, and it got disallowed for offside, and VAR was 
quote unquote offline for the past 60 for the last 60 minutes of the match things like that should not happen and those are those things should not be allowed to happen and going forward should never happen again but I, with handball when it comes to the interpretation of the referee it's 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 difficult to say we want more consistency from VAR because ultimately the final decision ends with the ref and uh, let's move over to the Tricor Riza Sport against Kaiseri Sport match. Riza, of course, coming off their first defeat in 2019 last week away at Fenerbahce. But um, like I predicted then, I don't think that would put much of a dent in their stellar uh, streak of matches. They continue their winning ways, and this time they are the ones to beat Kaiseri Sport. Kaiseri Sport were also unbeaten in 2019, but less impressively so, I would say. Vedat Muric getting on the score sheet twice here. He scored the 1-0 and the 3-0 in the 22nd and the 66th minute. The second goal was from a penalty. Um, in the meantime, that those two goals from Muric had, were uh, sandwiched. A very nice goal from Brian uh, Samudio in uh, the 56th minute. Really a pretty straightforward win for Chaiko Rizespor. I think there was one moment where Kaiseri Spor were really dangerous. Umut Bullet striking the crossbar um, from distance. But really, not really much to say here. Rizespor continued their impressive run. Um, no out of Sheshu stealing the show today, Pat. So that must be yeah. a mind consolation for Fenerbahce fans. For sure, yeah. No, I think they've put a, a good performance there. Um, no surprise in my eyes, to be honest. I think um, after their first defeat away from home, you know, uh, Fenerbahce needed to win. Really, it was no surprise that they came out and came out. They did dominant performance with a three 0 victory to boot. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing much to add really. Uh, I was disappointed at the ease of which Kayseri conceded three goals, having having been unbeaten for the last ten games. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, Riza are one of the on-form teams. I think they're the fifth best team in the league in terms of their form graphic. Yeah. So uh, their 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 trajectory is certainly on the up. Yeah. I don't know if any of you saw the um, the, the shot from Umut Bulut from just outside the box. Mm-hmm. A real yeah. thunderbolt of a, of a strike, which which really deserved to go in, but he really rolled back the ears. That was quite an and impressive th- shot. That was really the only thing they did throughout the match. Exactly, really. nothing Kaiser much Sport. else to report. So, Riza just impressive, immediately taking uh, the match by the throat, so to speak, and just going up and over Kaiseri and then not looking back. Uh, an easy win for Riza. There was the only, I mean, the, mo- the maybe the, the the largest thing of note here was. Um, the, the fights in the stands, Kayseri Spore and Riza Spore fans getting into it, apparently having to do with uh, Riza Spore's fans. Um, that, yeah, not not really being too fond of uh, Kayseri coach Hikmet Kayaman. Uh, so apparently there were some scuffles regarding that. Um, then let's move forward to the next match. That was Gustepe against Kasem Pasha, a very important match yeah. for Gustepe. They had to win. Uh, knife between the teeth, like we say in Belgium, uh, must-win match for them, and that did not happen. It ended all square, nil-nil. Kasim Pasha still without a win in 2019. They have played eight games, lost six, drawn their last two. But it does have to be mentioned that their last draw last week against Trabzonspor, they came back from a two-nil deficit. And of course, here today, I think the most important thing for them was not to lose, to not get in the trouble 
in, in the danger zone, so to speak. Uh, but Gustepe, unlike Ankaregiju and Bursaspor, were showing heart, were showing willingness to win, especially in the first half. But right at the end, it was Beto who had to save them from a very late uh, potential defeat with a fantastic save on, on his mm. goal line. Um, let's go to you first, Azar, because I know you have a very particular interest in Gustepe. So uh, what did you think of this match? Yeah, that's right. And and uh, to illustrate that, I actually watched the entire match. It was the early kickoff for the weekend. Um, and yeah, starting from the end, actually, Beto made an unbelievable superhuman save at the last minute. To yeah, keep it <clears> the, fantastic. Uh, yeah, to, to keep it at nil-nil. And it could be a really golden save at the end of the season if they're able to stay up. Um, but this, the disappointing thing for me for Gustafa was that they were just so toothless up front. Uh, it didn't help that Jerome uh, and Halil Akmanar, who I think is one of their best players, both started the game on the bench. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, they just didn't create any clear-cut chances. I think Dennis Kader had one shot that uh, flew off the post in the yeah. first half. But other than that, they didn't come close to scoring. And it was quite disappointing because I thought at home in front of their fans against a very struggling Kasim Pasha, it was a perfect opportunity for them to pick up three points, but they failed. So I'm, I am very concerned about Gustave now. Mm. What about you, Pat? Yeah, I think um, that they came out quite strong. I thought Gustave, they had a, a few chances, but uh, you know, it really saved them at the, at the death. The very end, yeah, fantastic to mm -hmm. have those reflexes way on at the end of the match. Um, I mean, the thing is, I've just had a quick look at uh, fixes coming up. They've got Besiktas away, Bashakshi here away. Not yeah. easy games coming up, to be honest. And uh, neither do actually, just moving back br very briefly, just to Rizespor as well. Um, they've got all of the, the sort of well, top four to play. So, I, I mean, interesting things coming up. And although we've still got, what, two and a half months left to go, you know, every game matters now. And when there's such a big gap, well, sorry, when there's such a small gap even between, what, Sixth two or points, seventh place. Two points. Well, they're two points behind Fenerbahce and Bursaspor, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, yeah, a win here yeah, would have really. Yeah, it would have really changed. I mean, the, the, like Pat was saying, that the table is so tight right now. I think Ankaraguju, Sivas, and the other team on 31 points, who is uh, Kazimpasha, are could all are only six points away from European spot, and six <laughs> points away from. Also, yeah. four points away from uh, it's only relegation. one point, so, by the way. Uh, Gustav are on twenty-seven, and of course Bursa and and yeah, and, and uh, Fener on twenty-eight, and then there's a three-point uh, drop-off there. But yeah, it's it's super tight, and this was really a must-win match for them, especially mm. heading into those two weeks away against uh, Besiktas, and then they have Besiktas here. Yeah. So, uh, do they have Besiktas here at home or away? Uh, this Gustav, they have it um, uh, away. So they're playing back-to-back -back away oh games. Yeah, that's uh, that's not very good for Gustepe. Um, and and yeah, for example, Riza, I think the, the difference here really with Riza is Riza can go into those matches, I think, playing a little bit more freely. Um, and and I, I would not put it past them to beat uh, any of those top sides because they're playing some great football, Riza Sport, right now. Yeah. And they got the confidence going and, and they're in the right flow. And the same cannot be said for Gustepe. They're really in a no. tight spot right now. I mean, if they could get some points uh, at Besiktas next week, those will be golden points for them. But 
really they could just as easily come out of these next two matches with 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 with, with no points and then it's uh, imagine if Bursa or or, or Fenerbahce take at least a one win then the gap uh, is already four points and it's going to be very tough for them and 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 who would have thunk it that at the halfway mark Gustepe would be in such a perilous position at this point in the yeah. at, this, at this stage in the league yeah but yeah, let's move forward uh, to the main event of the evening then. Besiktas against Konya Spor. This was a very important match in regards to the European tickets, uh, mainly the Europa League tickets. Besiktas winning this one right at the dead 3-2 uh, yes. against Konya Spor. Adam Ljajic opening the scoreline in the 14th minute. Ömer Ali Scheiner pulling things level in the 20th, but Burak Yilmaz with Besiktas back ahead in the 34th minute from a nice free kick. Morike Fofana stunned the home crowd in the 75th minute with a wonderful finish, um, but that didn't last the joy for Aykut Kojaman. They almost pulled off uh, a robbery, so to speak, a hold-up, but uh, Shinji Kagawa gets the winner for Besiktas in the third minute of added time after coming on as a 75th minute substitute. But it could have been different though, because right before that there was a penalty shout uh, for Konyaspor. I think there was more made out of it after the match rather than during the match, because Hadi Ametovic was the player that uh, was at fault, but actually didn't go down, still got the cross in. Um, but a lot of controversy about that from the likes of uh, Herman Turolo, who likes to... Uh, be relevant by shouting things of course uh five goals and one assist in seven matches for burak yilmaz that puts his total on 10 goals this season in 14 total appearances so it's a shame he's played so little because he could have been a contender for that top score uh role probably um going to throw to you first pat uh what did you think of the late penalty position for Konyaspor? penalty or no penalty <laughs> Again, it's just one of those things that on one day it could be one thing, but the next week something completely different. Was there a penalty or not for you in the final few minutes there for, for Konyaspor? Yes, I think it should have been a penalty, but Ahmedovic, I suppose you could say credit to him or more fault to him mm -hmm. for not going down, but had he gone down, I think the referee would have had no choice but to award the penalty. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, I think you rarely see these types of things given. When the player stays on his on his, on his keeps his footing, uh, I think if he goes down, then like you said, there's really not much the referee can do other than give the penalty, unless of course he well, he cannot give the penalty, but then VAR will probably interject. But I think the mistake here is that he did not go down. It was not really that much contact because he was uh, he managed to easily stay on his footing and and still get that cross in. So. I don't know. Um, you know, sometimes you have these discussions where a player does get brought down. And it's like, ah, that's not enough for me for a penalty, which for me, it's either a foul or not. I don't know. It's a contact sport, but if he goes down, it's a penalty, I think. Khan, can I ask you about, uh, sure. about Karius? What do you think? How do you think he performed? There's, there's been a lot of criticism about him. I think, the I think the criticism on him is, is absurd. Um, I, I, of course, that first goal, he, d he doesn't look good there. But on the second goal, what can he do? I mean, for me, the yeah. only right decision there was for him to come, to put Fofana under pressure, to, to make a, a quick decision, and hopefully force him to make the wrong decision, which in this case was shooting. And that worked, but unfortunately for Carriers, the shot was absolutely amazing. 
Um, but I don't know. I mean, look, he faced three shots on the day. He made he, and he conceded two goals. Um, so then you quickly hear Turkish fans uh, around uh, the Twitter universe say, "Oh, you can't make a single save." But look, if your team gives, you can only give away three chances. Like, look today at Galatasaray. How many chances mm-hmm. that 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 were given away? But many good saves by Muslera. But there's still a difference when you're facing um, a, a sort of header or something. But a one-on-one position is always difficult. It's always going to go fifty-fifty. It's tough, and I think it's very harsh to put all the blame on him when you see that in both those games, it's Najib's positional uh, mistake that allows that pass to be played so easily, that allows a player to be slipped through, and everyone's piling on on carriers, but there's no nobody saying anything about the defensive issue, and I'm not really only talking about the back line, but I'm talking about the collective defending, which has been a problem throughout the season. Um, yeah, and I, I don't understand the obsession with Najib, to be honest. I think he's extremely overrated, always has been. And he's, he's not overrated. He's he's, kind of, he, I think all Besiktas fans think he's he's absolutely shit. Uh, but uh, for well, some okay, reason. maybe overrated by, by, by Chanel, in yeah. that case, by Chanel Ganesh. And, and, and just going back to Karis, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you might have tweeted this. Um, something that Chanel said after the game about Karis, saying, if I had Tolga, I would play him. Yeah, yeah. I, I was ridiculous. shocked that he would make absolutely such a statement ridiculous. in public. Really, really shocked. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's one of those things that I really hate about Shinon Gunish is that he has his yeah. favorite. He has his favorites, but when you're not on a, on a short list of look at Isima Miran, he, he gets he's he's the scapegoat for the Fenerbahce draw. We haven't seen yeah. him. He's, he's he's you know he's quote unquote injured. I mean, look, the guy has missed two matches. That means that the the injury has to be significant enough, right? So then there has to be an official communication from the club. Uh, to speak on, you know, uh, he he you know, has a, a slight strain or whatever, hamstring, whatever. Then there's a communication because usually then there's an MRI, and if there's an MRI, there's going to be uh, a public statement. Look, there's nothing like that. Uh, last week, uh, the, the the journalists of BN just asked him before the match. Uh, Agun, I guess, uh, asked him before the match. Uh, Mirren's not in the squad, and then he said, "Nope, he's not here." And he didn't no mm. mention at all of him being injured or anything. So that's that's typical channel. You know, trying to pawn off the, the, the that 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 implosion on on one player, and I think Carius uh, is is being sacrificed too because probably because he's not Turkish first and foremost, and secondly mm. because he's not Besiktas's player and he won't be here next yeah. year. I think. I mean, his loan is for two yeah. years, but at this point, I can't see. You know, it's a completely toxic environment, and the the lynching of him has been going on since the beginning of the season. Really, every single. Mis- like like even mi- minuscule mistake he makes gets scrutinized. It's silly. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that Carius has been impressive this season because he hasn't. He's been pff, average at best. But I don't think he is playing in an environment where he is going to be allowed to be great. Look, Serkan Karintzela here in this match makes ten saves, and statistically that looks impressive. But when we look at his saves, only one of them was really good. That was on a lens shot. Uh, and then the rest of them were, were decent or simple saves. So you have 10 saves, but maybe two or so are worth mentioning. The other eight are just stat padding. Um, but when you're mm-hmm. Konya Spore, you're going to face a lot more shots. So it's much easier to pad your stats a little bit with relatively easy saves like that. Now, it's, it's very rarely going to occur that a, that a goalkeeper of Besiktas Galatasaray uh, or Bashakshir is going to face seven, eight, nine shots in a match. That just doesn't happen very often. Uh, I mean, what happened tonight with 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 Muslera? That's that's something you almost never see. 
Muslera being forced to make seven saves in a match, that that doesn't happen very often. So um, I think when people are looking at at the shots faced and and all that kind of stuff, it's it's very misleading. Um, you have to put it in the proper context. You really, if you want to analyze it properly, you have to look at every single shot individually. Um, and I think when you do that, because there those those shots, the twenty seven shots were only for two thousand nineteen. I think when you look at 2019, I mean, people were saying just two weeks ago how he was really performing well in 2019 so far. Then the Fenerbahce match happened, and suddenly they have to find someone to blame. Oh, well, a long shot from Hassan Ali Calderim went in, so it must be the goalkeeper's fault. Uh, but let's get back to this match briefly. Um, despite the fact that Konya Sport did have that penalty shout at the end, um, and for me, because he stays on, on his legs... I don't think you can say much. For me, it's not a penalty because he doesn't go down, which is kind of also a little bit counterintuitive, perhaps, because then you're kind of encouraging players um, to dive on purpose. Uh, but no, I mean, the, the right thing for him to do on one hand, but on the other hand... but uh, I mean, if it was given, I think it would have been harsh because he didn't go down. Had he gone down, there's not much you can say because then there's no debating on was the contact enough... Because, but because he, he is not going down, I think the contact wasn't enough to really disturb him. I mean, it's not like he suddenly had to completely regain his footing and it, it managed him to, it forced him to fudge his cross. But anyway, about the match itself, based on the game plan they had, I think they were really lucky to even have that point still within reach that late in the match given that all they did really throughout the match were those two counter-attacks. And you could say, well, that's tactically perfectly played, but I think that's really gambling with... Yeah, I mean, this match could have been 4-5-1 if Besiktas was more efficient. So I think tactically, when it comes from Aykut's approach to this game, um, not the best choices made, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's a deserved win in the end. Besiktas, yeah, had had... I think on all the metrics were far and beyond the head. They should have put this match beyond uh, Konyaspor far earlier, but this kind of been their season really where, you know, as soon as Bistesh went 1-0 up, you kind of had that feeling like, oh, well, now there's going to be a little bit of a lapse of concentration and they're going to score. And, and sure, yep, they did, uh, not so long after the opener. Um, let's talk about uh, the goals quickly, um, the quality of the goals, though. Uh, Pat, what, what was the standout for you? On, in this match, in terms of goals, I think to be honest, it was just my favorite was the the, the last goal. To be honest, I think um, you know, no, I think fair play to uh, Kagawa to not give up to kind of show that I guess Japanese steel to to not just that right. This is it, you know, two two, not great, but there you go. These things happen, but to to keep fighting right to the final whistle, really, which is kind of what you want. So that was the the outstanding one for me. Uh, for you, uh, Uzer, best match, uh, goal of the match. Uh, I'd say Burak's free kick it was very impressive. Uh, it was a good old school thunderbolt from him. Yeah, remember him scoring quality again. Scoring one or two like that when he was at Galts, right? Never, yeah. not, not really a, a, a free kick specialist though. So when he stepped up, I did have the feeling it was going to go in. Because he doesn't do it too often, and when he does, he usually does it pretty well, which is yeah, he weird. does it in style. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, what about the the Fofana goal? What do you guys think about that? Uh, Fofana Fofana's goal was the chip 
Um, mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty uh, pretty classy finish. Actually, I've got to say. Yeah, he it reminded well. me came, a little bit came. of uh, Nihat's goal against the Czech Republic because it kind of oh, yes. curled into that top corner. Oh, yes. Oh, I just get goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> uh, okay, so, well, anyway, this result uh, for Bishtesh, of course, in favor of Bishtesh because now they move up to 44 points. Uh, and this pretty much has guaranteed them a top four finish almost um, because now they're nine points clear on uh, Konyaspor, who are in 5th place, uh, who are on 35 points. So at this point, Konyaspor are kind of in a position of they kind of have to start hoping that either Galtzray win the cup or Bishtesh get a European ban or something like that. Uh, Trabzonspor are on 40 points, so of course they're on 4th place, so that's also a 5-point drop-off. So that European, uh, that, Euro- that fight for the Europa League um, seems to be at this point uh, done. Although, of course, a lot can change in just two or three weeks. So, um, But for Besiktas, yeah. strange things have to happen for them not to at least get a Europa League ticket at this point. So sure. let's move over to Monday. Monday was only one match. Galtry taking on Antalya Sport. And this match finished 5-0. Very impressive scoreline. Uh, scoring procedure goes as follows. Uh, Sofian Figuli opening the scoring in the 17th minute of the deflected shot that was Onyekuru doubled the scoreline in the 65th minute. I got noted down here. And then he made uh, the fourth goal as well in the 78th minute. And then Mbaye Diaz. And Diaz's goal as well. And Diaz's goal? <clears throat> Don't you mean Diagne? <clears throat> well, uh, Diagne had the one that was disallowed, but before before Diagne's disallowed one, it was NDI who got the fourth goal. Oh, I got. I thought was it was Diagne. I thought it was Diagne who scored the the, the fourth. The I thought it was Diagne who scored the third goal and the fifth goal, and Onyekuru scored the second and the fourth. No. Yeah, yeah. Onyekuru got the second and the fourth, and NDI the third, and Diagne the fifth. Oh, okay. He kind of you... fell into the goal as, as he scored, but but he was in the right place Let's at the right see. time. Let's see. All right, you're right. I, I could have sworn it was Diagne. Can't tell these guys apart, apparently, uh, because Diagne changed his hairstyle again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so that uh, that getting on the score sheet was actually quite important then for Diagne. Uh, I thought he had already got one in the bag, but apparently not. So uh, Diagne getting his first goal since his debut then. And his second goal for Galtzray, and that would make his 22nd in total, putting him 10 goals ahead of both Fugaro Dayega and Papi Sisse. Um, a little bit of a misleading scoreline, though. Galtzray, if you would look at the scoreline, easy win for them, you'd think. Uh, but maybe not so much. Uh, Uzra, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, how you view yeah. this match? Um, so, it was, yes, very misleading. 5-0 result, and yet the man of the match for me is Fernando Muslera. And yeah. uh, just to make sure that I wasn't going crazy, I put a poll up on my Twitter page uh, asking who do you think the man of the match was. And I listed Muslera, Luindama, Onyakuru, or somebody else as the four options. And as of now, 83% have said Muslera as well, so I'm not going crazy. Um, he made 100. <laughs> seven. Well, yeah, that's true. Maybe everyone else is crazy, but 17% is crazy. Yes. But... Um, but but he made seven absolutely top class saves during the match. Yeah. At any point, which could have made it one one, it could have made it two two, or we could have even been three one down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. At one point. So 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 I think that the 
the fact that we were able to stay in the game and to keep adding to our to adding to our uh, strength by Goal adding time. goals is all thanks to to uh, Muslera. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I think, and it sounds strange to say it could have been three one to Antalya Spor just after half time mm-hmm. when you look at the score, but it's, it's yeah. completely true. It's completely true. He, he can. You know, as I said at the beginning, it's it's just incredible how different things would have been if uh, if you'd had a keeper like Volkan in your goal. You know, the, the manager for some reason just like a, a goalkeeping equivalent of uh, Sabri, for example. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good analogy. Yeah, or Najib. Or Najib, yeah, yeah. But uh, because he he completely, and it would have, it could have been three one. It could have been easily. It could have gone completely the other way, and yet because he managed to keep them in and you know it's basically the second half was like the floodgates opening and once they started they just couldn't stop really the the misleading thing that we sometimes see with Galtzai where in these home matches like I remember the match against uh, sorry against Alanya Spor earlier in the season I think it ended 6-0 but that was a very competitive match in the first half and uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but Galtzray got a very controversial goal just before half time that put them 1-0 up. And then in, in the second half, it kind of snowballed and they just completely uh, destroyed Alanya Spore. But up until that first half, there, there were a couple of, I believe, penalty shots for Alanya Spore that were uh, definitely worth uh, having a look at and stuff like that. And it was a very competitive match. And it was kind of the same thing here, although it kind of remained competitive even with the scoreline ramping up, but um, not just Muslera, the, the post as well, too, uh, twice, I think, and uh, Antalya Spor hit the post. Um, they were very unlucky in front of goal, and, and this, uh, I think I have a little bit of difficulty with saying, well, it could have been 1-3, because you know that, look, if Galtzray are ahead, and Antalya Spor are pumping to get that equalizer, as soon as they get that equalizer, that's going to have a certain effect on, on Antalya Spor, the, the match is going to go different at that point. They might actually go and sit back a little bit more, although they were already quite offensive um, before the 1-0, so who knows? But um, yeah, no, I think 5-0, uh, in the end of the day, you have to call a spade a spade. It's a deserved win. You score five goals and your goalkeeper had a great match, but it, it should be mentioned that this wasn't a, um, such a straightforward win as you would imagine when you look at the scoring procedures. I think defensively as a team... Galtzray didn't perform very well, but Muslera had a, had an amazing match and uh, the posts too. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, a very important win for Galtzray and, and it keeps them in track of leaders with Shakhtar at least to a certain extent. Uh, no more uh, deficit increase here. Uh, I just want to say that just from a technical point that the introduction of Donk, Ryan Donk, in the second half made quite a difference to mm-hmm. Altasaraya's control of the game. Yeah. Um, there were quite large gaps in the centre of the park in the first 45 minutes. And I think so some praise Ryan for Donk added a bit of uh, bulkiness to that. Which Well, let's move over to the standings then. F- 57 points are our leaders by Shakshi here. Uh, quite firmly in the lead, 8 points ahead of Galatasaray, who are on 49 points. Then there's a drop-up of 5 points uh, in 3rd position, Besiktas with 44 points. And then in 4th position, there's Trabzonspor with 40 points. And then we have another 5-point drop-off to Konyaspor, who are in 5th place. Moving on to the bottom of the table, uh, Akisar still bottom with 21 points. Then there's uh, Erzurumspor on 22 points. And we have Gustepe, who we have already 
talked about quite a lot with 27 points. Then there's both Bursaspor and Fenerbahce on 28 points. Then we have three point, uh, teams uh, on 31 points. Rizespor, Kasim Pasha and Ankara Gaju. So Kasim Pasha are getting into the tick of things really in terms of yeah. the relegation zone because I do I, I can't see Rizespor staying in there much longer. I think they'll keep picking up plenty of points here and there. Uh, they do have a difficult schedule coming up, as Pat said, but I do think they'll definitely still be getting their points. Uh, Kasim Pasha, on the other hand, not looking that bright, despite these uh, last two draws. Ankara Gaju, uh, they'll, they'll pick up some more points, I think. Fenerbahce, probably two, I would imagine. Uh, so I think so. Bursa Spor and Kasim Pasha, for me, are, at the moment, Gustepe's biggest rivals, but of course, Gustepe failing to beat uh, Kasim Pasha, that's going to be... Uh, yeah, that, that might prove very crucial at the end of the season when we're tallying up the points. Um, let's move over to match day 26. Quickly look at that. On Friday, we have one match. That's Fenerbahce against Demir Group Sivas Spor. Then on Saturday, we have Atikar Konya Spor against Chaiku Rizespor. Akisar against Kasim Pasha. Another important match for that relegation yep. zone. Then we have two more matches. Erzurum Sport taking on Trabzonspor and Besiktas taking on Gustepe. So a lot of matches with relegation implications there. Gustepe, Erzurum Sport, Kasim Pasha, Akisar, Chaikurize, um, and Fenerbahce all playing uh, within the first two days on Friday and Saturday. Then on Sunday, we're moving on to Yeni Malatya Sport against Ankara Gücü. Istikbal Mobilia Kayseri Sport taking on Medipol Bashakshi here. Uh, Antalya Sport against Itemis Alanya Sport, the Derby, and then uh, of course Bursa Sport against Galstrai. So Bursa Sport have a very tough game as well. So the teams in the relegation zone have a difficult schedule coming up. I, I, I think Fenerbahce is going to pick up a win against Sivas Sport. They tend to do so. Um, but if you would have to tell someone who's new to Turkish football and, and they're going to watch one game. Which of the matches from next weekend will you say watch that one? I think I would have to say to some extent, I don't know, for some reason I've got a good feeling about the, the, the Konya Spore Resist Ball match. I think Konya uh, mm-hmm. Spore will be wanting to kind of bounce back from that, you know, so close to getting a, a good point in, in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Resist Spore sort of climbing up the table. So I think that should be quite a feisty affair as well. You know, two teams with quite a, <clears throat> uh, unique fan groups as well. Uh, a bit of passion then. I'm sure there'll be some uh, uh, black seasiders heading down to the central Anatolia to, to watch that match. Um, so I think that'll be quite a feisty one. That'll be my recommendation, I think. What, what for you, Ozer, which match would you recommend to uh, people to watch if they had to watch one game? Uh, I might go for Besiktas Gostepper, actually. Two games, two teams okay. who uh, who like to play attacking open football. Gostepper really needs something out of that game, so they're going to give everything. Besiktas playing at home. I think that, that could be a good game. Uh, also a good advert for Turkish football because Besiktas have obviously a wonderful stadium. Um, I think the actually the Kayseri-Basakşehir game could be quite an interesting match as well because Kayseri, although they got thumped three 0 this week, they're not really a bad team, and mm. they could be a, it could be a um, a bogey stadium for Başakşehir. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Bishakshir are the most impressive side on the road, though, so I wouldn't hold your breath. Um, for me, it's difficult, really, to say it. There's not really... I, I don't think there's that many attractive games this weekend, actually. Uh, and usually there's always one or two that really catch the eye, but... Yeah, I think I, I'm gonna go side with Pat and, and go for the Konyaspor Rizespor matches because Rizespor is in such a great form and and because Konyaspor are kind of in a position now where they can't afford to drop any more points if they do want to qualify for Europe next uh, season. Um, but I think that'll do it for us for for episode four. Uh, Pat, I want to thank you once again for joining us, and Uzar, of course, thank you very much for joining us as well as always. Thank you very much for listening, and see you all next week.